0: My name is Sharon, and I'm an alcoholic and an addict. And um, it's good to be here. I wanted to go to a meeting tonight, and then David called up and reminded me that I was supposed to speak. <laughs> so it's a good thing he did. Um, I had the weirdest day. Um, you know, I was talking to somebody that I haven't met yet. We've been talking for like a month. And he, we were talking about our childhood, and he brought up how he... Grew up around a bunch of addicts and alcoholics, and um, and really talked like he'd been in twelve step programs before, and I think he has been. And I said, "Yeah, well, I'm an addict and an alcoholic." He said, "No way!" He said, "Well, he said, you know, I bet you didn't use very much." I said, "Well, you know, if you if you count a liter of whiskey and two grams of coke a day, <laughs> does that count for very much?" And he's like, "Oh my God, how long did you do that?" I said, "That was like." about a year and a half and he said well i'm glad you're here and i said i'm glad i'm here too because i shouldn't be you know um the amount of damage i did to my my system i um i came in the program when i was 27 and got about three years and then went out for a year and then i and then i got 24 years and then i relapsed and i thought Um, I thought I only relapsed for about five years, and then later something occurred which made me realize I had relapsed for about eight years, and recently somebody reminded me of something that made me put it at 12 years. It's amazing how unable... To keep track of time you can get when you're using and drinking <laughs> so i'm back you know after relapsing for 12 years and getting to a new a new low a new i did a lot of the yets that i hadn't done when i was in before and um i really needed to because there's no doubt in my mind that i am an alcoholic and an addict and Unlike before, I now am very aware that it's something that I'll need to, or i for myself, I need to uh, be on my guard against it uh, for the rest of my life, however short or long that may be, because the disease um, for me has been cunning, baffling, and powerful, and it's always there you know it's always just ready to come out and gotcha to me i um i was driving to san jose for a a doctor's appointment that's where i lived most of my life i live in berkeley now but there's one doctor that i just love that i won't give up and i see her like twice a year and i went down there to um to have the appointment and then to have lunch with my oldest friend that I've known since third grade, if you can believe that. And um, and she is very devout. And she and her group of Bible study women have prayed for me over the years. So I really appreciate that. They've actually done some miracles, I believe. But um, on my way down to San Jose, I remembered that I used to go to San Jose when I first moved up here to score cocaine. And, you know, I know this is Alcoholics Anonymous. And for a long time, I didn't mess with drugs, even when I was an alcoholic. But it's part of my story now. And it is probably uh, the most insidious part of my disease. So I do talk about it now. On the way down to San Jose, I was thinking about my connection and i thought "Mm, i wonder what he's doing now and uh you know i wonder how he is boy i can you know i can imagine i have enough money i could get some coke my mind was just going on i wonder how long i could do it before how long i could get away with it before somebody knew now this is stuff that I don't normally think on a regular basis. Thank God. Um, the first three weeks of sobriety for me this time around was a constant battle with my mind talking to me, giving me reasons and excuses to use or drink. But it's been over eight months now. and Thank God I don't have those cravings anymore. Um, so for my head to be talking at me like that, was just a good reminder um, that the disease is always waiting. You know, it's always waiting for me to slip up. It'll be there. Um, So what has kept me clean and sober this time around are lots of meetings. I fell away from meetings during that long 24 year period. I was busy having a career and raising two kids. Um, The kids are grown now and I'm mostly retired now. Um, So I have no excuse not to go to lots of meetings. So I find that to keep myself going to meetings, um, I need to have a commitment. So I do have a commitment to two meetings a week, I secretary, Um, a cocaine anonymous meeting and I co-secretary an alcoholics anonymous meeting and that forces me at least to go twice a week but I typically go almost every day if not every day and sometimes more than once a day. Um, Having moved up here so late in life I don't have Uh, people that I know here. So it's also a good place for me to get some social interaction and to make new friends. And I appreciate that about, about meetings. I also appreciate running into people I used to know in the program like Sherry in um, Uzbekistan, right? Um, I don't know if that's the right country or not, if I got it. But uh, we used to go to meetings together in the Bay Area, in the South Bay Area. So, uh, you know, I have a sponsor. I am working the steps. I have commitments. And uh, I go to meetings. And that... Uh, I'm not saying it keeps me sane, but it keeps me sober. And it sure is a lot better getting through this life sober than otherwise. So um, thank you for letting me share. I think that's been close to 10 minutes. It's all I have to say anyhow tonight. Thank you. I'm Juliet. I'm an alcoholic. Um, I think
1: it's funny that... um, The linchpin for the speakers for tonight's meeting is my friend, Sherry, who's uh, currently in Kyrgyzstan. Um, That just goes to show how we are everywhere. Um, And uh, feeling a little put out that more people showed up last week for my friend, Billy, um, than for for me. but uh that's okay um uh, let's see um i mean my sobriety date is august 11th of 1986 um and um I'm pretty sick of my own story. Um, but some of you haven't heard it before. Um, so I guess I'll just tell it. Um, I mean, there's so many different ways that I can tell it, you know, um, I think, uh, and I and I normally like to... What always works best is if I hear a lot of stuff like earlier in the day or before I share or whatever that I totally disagree with and then I feel like I actually have something to say. Um, but um, that hasn't happened so far today. Um, and so I just feel kind of like... When uh, Dave was reading the uh, the third chapter, where I got sober, we read that in almost every single meeting, um, that part of chapter three. And, um, and I was thinking about how it's, you know, it was one of the first things in the big book that I read that I understood. Um, I understood what they were talking about. Um, When, um, when I started reading it, I think I'll just go back a little bit. Um, so I came around AA for like a year and a half, almost two years before I got sober. And, um, I was one of those kids in the eighties who's, you know, they discovered, Hey, kids can be alcoholics too. And um, all of a sudden they like started, you know, throwing us all in rehabs, um, you know, by the ton. Um, and I was one of those kids who had to go to rehab. Um, I was in outpatient rehab, which was awesome for me because don't try this now, children, can't get away with it anymore. But um, I could still drink and use um, while I was in rehab. And um, the uh, drug tests were not as sophisticated as they are now. Um, I did have to pee in a cup in front of like my mom or someone like all the time. And, um, you know, but my life's goal um, when I got thrown into rehab was to turn 18 and move out of the house so I could drink the way that I wanted to. That was my big dream um in like eighty five when I was sent to rehab and um and like many rehabs do now, they gave me this little piece of paper, and after a couple of weeks, they were like, "You haven't gone to any meetings why don't you have you know you have no signatures, and i 'm like, "What are you even talking about and um they were like, we have to go to AA meetings or NA or some kind of A, And I was like, what even is that? You know? (laughs) And so I came to my first AA meeting and my first AA meeting was at the facility where I was being forced to go to rehab. And the first night that I was there, one of the counselors was there. And when he walked in, my first thought was, you know, this place is full of a bunch of narcs. I can't tell anybody anything here. And so I didn't. Um, I uh, lied like the whole time um, when I first started coming to meetings. And, um, and I figured, you know, people would ask me, you know, how long have you been sober now? And I figured about two weeks was like a good lie. Um, because you know, I, I didn't want to tell people that I had stayed sober like from the time that I first came to my first meeting. And I didn't, you know, I didn't want to tell people the truth either. So um, so I just had about two weeks. And um there were lots of times, you know, I my first meeting was a young people's meeting. Um and I was 16 years old when I went to that meeting. And um, so you know, I don't think it's only for that reason that I never felt like I was too young to be an alcoholic. I didn't even think about that. I didn't think I was an alcoholic just because I didn't think I was an alcoholic. Um, you know, I, I didn't think it was because I was young. Um, and, um, I still remember like, <laughs> like, people I would see younger people usually at a lot of concerts I used to go to like people in the program and they would take great glee in coming up to me wherever I was because I was usually you know just hammered beyond belief and being like hey how's it going and um And I would be like, oh, God, hi. Uh, And they'd be like, are you still sober? Oh, yeah. You know, so full of crap. Um, And, you know, everybody knew. Um, Everybody knew I wasn't really sober, um, except for this really hot newcomer. I'm, like, fast-forwarding super fast. Um, So, you know, my whole drinking, it was short. Um, but I just went straight to the gutter and I just rolled around there for like four years and then I got sober and I, I had a lot of bad shit happen to me, you know, not just that stuff in that paragraph that Dave read about, you know, all the methods that I tried, you know, I was never in a health farm. Um, I don't even know what a health farm is now. I think now we call it like a retreat or something like that, but, um, you know, um, but, you know, I, I suffered a lot of sexual abuse, um, verbal abuse, physical abuse. And from the very beginning of my drinking, and I basically just decided, you know, since it happened from the very beginning, I was like, well, if this is the price I have to pay to get drunk, then I guess that's what I have to do. That's how important getting drunk was to me. And, um, you know, but I still told myself, like it says in that story in the back of the big book, I kept assuring myself that my drinking was a pleasure and a choice. And um, I love the way that that person puts that, um, you know, because I thought I was having a good time. And, you know, if you would just get out of my friggin' way, um, then I could have an even better time. Thank you very much. And, um, and so, you know, by the time I was going to AA and stuff, um, you know, imagine I'm coming around AA for like a year and a half, two years, almost not staying sober, not wanting to be sober, like, you know, I was a lot of those annoying things. I was here on a card. I didn't, it wasn't my idea. You know, I, if you had said to me, I will give you $500. If you can tell me what step one is, I could not have told you. I didn't even know we had steps. I didn't know we had a book. That's called Alcoholics Anonymous. (laughs) Like I did not know any of that shit. Nothing. Um, And basically, unless you were really good looking, I probably didn't pay any attention to what you had to say about anything. Um, Thank God for hot people. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be sober today because they're the people I start listening to first. Um, You know, um, oh, I relate to that. Wow. Um, But anyway, there's this hot new dude uh, towards the end of my drinking who came around and... um, he was probably the only person in Orange County AA who had no idea that I wasn't really sober because he was new himself. And, you know, by then it had gotten to the point where, you know, I'm sure some of you will relate to this. Uh, Just like I had a boyfriend and then I had this other dude I was seeing kind of, and then There was this new guy and I didn't like my boyfriend because you know we would um drink and do a lot of coke and and he'd start beating me up and the cops would come and and he'd throw me in the closet and and I would be quiet until they left and then um and then I'd ride my bike home and people always think I meant a motorcycle probably because I have this gravelly voice. No, it was a bicycle for one. I was 17 years old and for two, like, you know, like I was not that cool. Like I'm riding my Harley home from my, you know, Coke ridden liaison with my boyfriend, you know, no bicycle. Um, and, um, And so I was, you know, planning on getting rid of him, right? Hadn't done it yet, of course. Um, And then this other dude was uh, someone I worked with at my job at the fair selling hats and leather halter tops. And I was planning on running away with the fair where I sold these hats and leather halter tops um, and skipping my last year of high school. And I figured I could get loaded a lot at the fair. And when that guy got sick of me, I'd just move on to somebody else. So I was already like, do you see that thinking? Like, oh, like so sad to me. Um, and then here's this beautiful newcomer who doesn't call me names or anything, but we're not getting loaded either. And I thought I better stop drinking. Otherwise he's going to find out. And, I, and he finally said, like, oh, I want to, you know, will you be my girlfriend? And I was like, yeah, dump, dump, whoosh, you know, pounce. And, um, and I thought, you know, I, I got to stop drinking because he's going to find out. And um, I tried. And I was able to do it for three days. And um, if you're new or even if you're not new, um, There's the saying that I'm sure that somebody said, but I didn't hear it. Um, They must have not been good looking or someone I found good looking. Um, But there's a saying around here, it's the first drink that gets you drunk. And um, I had gone out with somebody, of course a friend of mine from rehab, right? Like a lot of us have been there, uh, friend from rehab. And we went out, and, and, um, and I remember saying at the time, oh, I'm not going to drink tonight because I'm on a diet. And I was, like, 110 pounds, you know, like, just really skinny uh, for me. And um, I had basically stopped eating. Um, I was on the Coke booze watermelon diet, and the only reason why watermelon was in there it's because I had read this drinking too much and so I was like oh god I can't like don't want to get scurvy like I'm a pirate or something you know um so basically all I was eating was something to help me not get scurvy and um and I went out that night with them and somebody said have you ever had a kamikaze and I said no and she said here have a sip and I took that sip and I swear to God, next thing I was doing was I was in the jacuzzi dropping acid with some guy who's not my boyfriend. Um, not hot either, if memory serves. Um, and um, getting chased by the police later and all this stuff. And those were pretty normal days for me. Um, you know, um I was always getting in trouble and uh, people were always telling me I was blowing it. That was like the worst thing you could hear in the eighties. You guys, you're blowing it. Um, I was always blowing it and um, I couldn't help it. You know, um, this is not the story of a functional alcoholic. <laughs> I did not function um, like at all. And so, you know, I ended up drunk and, uh, my friend from rehab had been in gangs. Uh, she was in Mexican gangs, even though she was a white girl. And, um, and I started my moment of clarity, which is, you know, what we call that moment when you realize that you're an alcoholic, you can have other moments of clarity, but there's like the big one came from, uh, thinking about how much better than her I was, you know, cause she was in gangs and I wasn't, she shot heroin. I didn't do that. And she did this and I didn't do that. And all of a sudden I realized that for the first time in my life, I had said I wasn't going to drink that day. And there I was drunk. And I couldn't even make it four days without a drink. And, um, that's when I realized, you know, and I heard all of the voices of people in the program, you know, saying that walks like a duck, talks like a duck, it must be a duck. And I realized I was a duck. I was just like all you people. And thank God I had been here because I knew where to go. And, um, you know, Next morning, I'm like rearranging my sock drawer like you do when you're coming down off of acid. And um, and boyfriend calls and I'm like, I think I'm an alcoholic. It's like, what are you talking about? Um, Surprise, surprise. Uh, We broke up like 12 days later outside of the young people's meeting, uh, actually at, at coffee after the young people's meeting which I think is like one of those hilarious, like young people, like typical young people's AA stories, you know? And then he broke broke up with me at coffee. Um, And that was the first night that I ever reached out to anyone. I had seen some people around for years and years and years. And I asked one of them for a ride home and um, happened to be a dude. And thank God this wasn't one of those dudes who was like trying to get in my pants or anything. Cause that probably would have worked, especially back then. <laughs> but, um, but he just wanted, he said, yeah. And he drove me home and, um, and I cried cause I was sure that that dude was going to fix everything. Like dating that guy was totally the solution to all my problems Um, And that whole plan had been scuppered. And I think it was the first time that I really realized just how much I didn't know how to live without booze and drugs. You know, I basically would like wake up in the morning and first thing I did was try to take something. Um, You know, and I had been trying to snort this poor newcomer dude. Um, and even though I did myself, you know, it still wasn't that's a lot of pressure. Like, please fix me, you know, it's like no wonder he went running screaming. Um but um what ended up happening was uh you know I realized that I really wanted to be sober. I didn't want to be a drinking alcoholic and um, I ended up getting my first sponsor. And I talk about her a lot. She was a great person and she gave me the foundation in AA that I still have today. Um, She was sometimes really like mean. Well, she was never really mean, but it wasn't, she wasn't my buddy all the time. Um, She had me go to a meeting every day for my first year, and I had to call her every day for my first year. And on Saturdays, I had to go to this meeting with all the old people. Um, They were probably uh, at my age or younger than I am now, um, but I thought they were tremendously old, Um, and it was a speaker meeting, and it always ran over late And everyone else had been at the cool young people's meeting. And then they went to this young people's sober dance that always happened at that time. And I was always sure that they were all out having fun without me, you know, and I was missing it. But I did it anyway. Um, And it's so funny to me. uh, I heard a lot of AA famous people (laughs) like, you know, like well-known within AA I heard the first woman in Alcoholics Anonymous on the West Coast and a whole bunch of people. Um, and, you know, it, but the meeting always ran over. And that's what I remember the most about that meeting is just being mad. Um, and in addition to that, we started working the steps. And that's really when my life began to change. Um, You know, I, I'd say the first time that I did the steps, a lot of, some of them were like, yeah, 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 to me, like step two. I was like, yeah, 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 sure, sure. I believe it. Yep. You know, and what really got me, um, what the things that, the steps that really like changed my life at that time were like doing my fifth step with my sponsor and, I was sure that I was going to tell her some of this stuff and she was going to throw me out of her house or be like, Hey, we don't need people like you and Alcoholics Anonymous. And um, that's not what she did. She matched me thing for thing. And um, when I left her house, I, I think it was the first time that I've, I stopped being afraid that somebody was going to find out about me and that I was going to get thrown out. Um, and, you know, I mean, obviously I've been sober for a long time. So my fifth step, subsequent fifth steps, I've not always been so joyful. Um, I think um, from the second one on, you know, because I come from like there's this whole thing in AA. Some people and some people get really like bent out of shape. Like you only do one fourth step. And then the rest, you know, 10, 11, 12, like, you know, you never did it, you never do it again. And then, you know, there's other people, like I just I whatever. I think what matters is that I have like recent experience doing an inventory and sharing it with my sponsor. Um but,, um, you know, subsequent fifth steps, I've have been sort of disappointing to me because I really had this impression that I was gonna get sober, and that I was just basically gonna become like this incredibly perfect human being. I, which, of course, there is no such thing, right? Um, and my first sponsor used to say, we never get any higher NAA. Um, thanks, John. Than <laughs> human, um, and uh, and I didn't really understand what that meant. Recent, like it's a recent thing. I kept. I remember when I turned ten years sober, woke up, still wasn't perfect, and for like at least ten years after that, I would. I would, on my sobriety birthday, I would wake up and realize I still wasn't perfect. And I would be bitterly disappointed because I thought that I was going to hit some point in sobriety where I didn't have problems with people anymore. And I didn't feel frustrated anymore. And I didn't feel angry anymore. And I didn't, you know, and I didn't hurt people's feelings anymore. And I could go on and on. And of course, that's not what happens for most of us, I mean, I think I kind of realized this first in the nineties, like I had this job where I had a lot of time and you could surf the internet. And I looked up mother Teresa one day and believe it or not, there are a whole bunch of people who hate mother Teresa like, she's dead now. But, I mean, they hated her. They hated her. And they had all these reasons. Um, and I remember thinking, if they hate Mother Teresa, what chance do I have? You know? Like, I'm not, like, walking around, like, feeding the poor and, you know, giving people, you know, medicine for their, pro like, their, you know, infections or whatever. And... Um, but that idea died really hard, like that someday I was going to wake up and and be, you know, beyond character defects. Um, and I think what I really wanted was to be beyond pain. Um, I didn't want to feel hurt or sad or any of those things. Um, and that's unrealistic. Um, It's unrealistic, in case you didn't know. (laughs) I'm here to tell you it's unrealistic. Um, I think it was like a way that I still was just very childish. Um, Childlike, maybe. Um, But, you know, um, I found a way to live one day at a time with those daily annoyances and struggles and that kind of stuff. Um, Most of the time they're self-created. Most of the time they're here. Um, Sometimes out here, I have had to go to the DMV recently. Uh, That is not a self-created problem, Um, but I've just been able to deal with things more with more um, serenity um, one day at a time. Um, and um, I know I'm hopping around a lot. Uh, I think i finally accepted. So I just realized this the other day. I think it was yesterday. So I, I recently joined another 12-step program, um, and I'm a newcomer in that program, and that's a strange experience, um, but I was sitting around feeling sorry for myself, you know, um, I was like, you know, I can't do this, can't do that, can't smoke cigars, you know, I'm allergic to smoke. Can't smoke cigarettes. I'm allergic to smoke. <laughs> you, know, uh, you know, quit drinking and taking drugs a long time ago. Those were some pretty serious consequences. And now, you know, I'm not like curing my sadness with ice cream. And um, And I had this thought like, what if I'm supposed to live my life without any like, like of those sorts of things at all to mitigate my feelings. And it was like, um, you know, anything from, I can use practically anything to get, to try to adjust my environment. So my internal environment feels comfortable. I did it with shoes for a while and clothes in the 90s. Uh, you know. Um, I had a cape. Um, yep, I wore a cape uh all over the place. Um and um and I've tried to do it with people. Um usually dudes. Um If they weren't really into me, it was even more like, if I can get this person to love me, I will be okay. You know, I've done it with uh, intellect, you know, Um, straight, I have straight A's, so I must be smart and you should really treat me with respect because I am brilliant. I mean, I've done like all these things, you know, people, places, things, circumstances, and none of those things equal internal happiness. Um, I always think they're going to, like, I think they're going to, if I have this, if I have that, if I do this, if I do that. And it's an inside job. It's an inside job. And that's what the steps are for. It doesn't mean that I'm going to be happy all the time or that I'm going to suddenly start levitating. and You know, like it just means that I'm able to just clear away enough of that selfishness and self-centeredness. Because notice, all this is about me. I'm not thinking about you, what I can do for you, you know, how I can help you, how I can, you know, I'm thinking about, me and how does this affect me? Um, what do I want? Um, and um to get rid of that kind of stuff is is really I think what the steps are all about. Um I think that's also part of the reason why carrying the message to others is so important. Um there's a meeting, I actually there's a few of them that I go to where people are like. <laughs> Like whenever the topic of service comes up, people always talk about sponsorship, and I think sponsorship is incredibly important. Um, I am very close to my sponsor, and I have been close to almost everyone who's ever sponsored me. Um, and I do sponsor people, and that's incredibly important. But there are lots of other ways to be of service to people. I don't have to be my sponsor somebody's sponsor to talk to them on the phone or to message each other or to say hello to them at a meeting um, I don't you know it, it's not the end all be all of service um, I think I recognize uh, I think it's John um, from general service which I did off and on for many years and uh, I'm one of those people who stuff. Um, I don't think you have to like it, but it's one of my bags, you know. Um, There's H and I, which is um, taking the message into hospitals and institutions. And I'll tell you, there's nothing like me getting to leave all these other people have <laughs> to stay because <laughs> believe me, like, but for the grace of God, there go I, you know, like, I don't know if you guys heard about that, that dude who killed that off duty cop the other day in a, in a drunk driving accident, that could totally be me. I used to drive drunk everywhere. I was 16, drunk. I was a terrible driver. And I was drunk on top of it. And I would just get out. Like, I would hit stuff all the time. And then I would get out and look. And if I didn't think the damage was bad, I would just leave. And I never thought the damage was bad. Looked okay to me. That's a small dent. Um, And... um, you know, I could so have killed someone or just there's that acronym you're yet, you're eligible to. Um, And I got to remember that for me anyway. Um, But there's so many different ways to get out of myself and to do service. Um, And sometimes it's just, you know, Taking somebody's shopping cart when they look stressed out um and not judging them for it you know when when I you know notice that they don't put it back in the place like there's just lots of little ways to be of service and if selfishness and self-centeredness is my problem it makes sense that getting out of myself is is part of the solution um And, uh, you know, today, most of the time, you know, when I first got to I was scared to death of alcohol and drugs, and it was like a boogeyman was going to come out and get me. And I was just sure that I was never going to be those, I was going to be one of those people who wasn't going to make it. And um, obviously, there's no guarantees for any of us. But I was just scared to death. I was just sure I, was, I wasn't going to make it. And, you know, I don't feel that way most of the time now. And most of the time, I'm not tempted by alcohol or drugs. Um, in fact, with weed now, it's almost annoying to me. It's like, God, geez, go smoke it in the garage like a normal person. Because I'm, you know, I'm old. Like, it wasn't legal when I quit doing it. <laughs> Um, You know, you used to have to hide. Um, Not anymore. Um, But um, that is a miracle. Like, what a miracle. Um, I mean, when I first got sober, I was too... I would leave at lunch because I used to get high at lunch and I didn't know what else to do. So I would just go home. And, um, you know, I don't have to live that way anymore. Um, it's a, it's pretty miraculous. And I would say (sighs) a lot of the, problems that I have today are they're not necessarily, Oh, thank you. They're not necessarily, uh, luxury problems, but they're, they're not the same kind of problems that I had when I was drinking. I don't wake up underneath people now. Um, I don't get out of my car and after I've hit yours and just decide, I'm just going to drive off cause it doesn't look bad to me. Um, and that's really a miracle. You know, coming from where I came from to this today, is, is it's just miraculous. And um, part of the reason why I like to talk to people is because you guys, other people in AA helped me see where I was and how far I've come and also where I can go in good ways and and bad ways. Um, Like I really, I love AA, even though people get on my nerves and, you know, I've had a problem. I I think, you know, I'm just kind of a hater. So, you know, there's always something I don't like about everything. But I realize with AA, I feel better when I'm in it than when I'm not. And um, you guys don't necessarily need me, but I need you. And I hope I never forget that. And with that, I'm going to be quiet. Thank you for listening.